Welcome to the Standing Room Only Podcast. This is Ben Sandig, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Uh, hope everyone's doing well. Talking to you guys on a Wednesday night. The Washington Wizards did it again. Beat Steph Curry and the Warriors in a really bizarre, wild game. Kudos to them. They are on fire. We're going to talk about them on this episode of the podcast. I talked with uh, David Aldridge, my... Uh, colleague at the Athletic, uh, we talked about the the Wizards. We talked about them before the game today, but we talked kind of what's going on there. But it also compared it to the Washington football team season because I think there's some interesting parallels. We also talked a bunch about the Washington quarterback situation, how much we believe in what's happening under Ron Rivera, and what we think about how things are going in the context of the Dan Snyder era. So a lot of Washington football team and the, the, the local basketball team with David Aldridge. First up, though, I'm going to play for you guys a one-on-one interview with one of the most popular players on the Washington football team, none other than punter Tress Way. Talked about his offseason. They're starting back up with virtual uh, practices, as it were. Uh, we talked about Nick Sunberg, of course, and we talked about why he thinks this team is poised for more under Ron Rivera. All that in just a few moments here on the Standing Room Only podcast, which you can find, of course, on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else you do your podcasting. As always, many thanks to everybody who's been kind enough to drop an iTunes an iTunes review and rating. It really does help. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, I'll take it. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing and read my work on The Athletic at um, I'm going with an at. Go read it on theathletic.com or get the athletic app uh, on your phone. Um, should have a piece out Friday, uh, sort of kind of a draft piece on the team. And also, I will just say that on Friday, I have a NFL draft preview story on Penny Sewell has nothing to do with the Washington football team, but I had a chance to talk to him and some others about, you know, the best tackle coming into this draft. And and it was a really interesting interview. I'm hopeful we'll be able to play some of that uh, audio for you guys here upcoming uh, before the draft on another episode of the podcast. Um, let's, though, quickly just sort of talk about kind of what's going on here with the football team as we're now really, by the time you hear this, basically one week away from the draft. I, as you guys know, dabble in the mock drafts. Uh, I will plan probably uh, next week. I don't know if it'll be for Monday episode or right, or if I do one right before the draft, if I'll do some sort of a sort of final mock on the pod at least. So uh, we'll get to come to that. But I was, you know, I've been looking at the mock draft a lot. I haven't done these nearly as much as I used to when I was at NBC Sports Washington. And I was literally probably doing 20 or so um, over the course of the cycle. So the cycle could have started maybe during the college season, but really it was once the NFL, you know, once the college season ended, it was pretty consistently. And I think that rhythm kind of helped me out in terms of getting a feel for what's happening. And I, I can't really describe exactly how some that sometimes this works, but I, I just sort of get this feeling like I can just sense that this player goes with this team. Obviously, I'm paying attention to team needs and all that stuff. It's not just hocus pocus to that extent. But the last couple of years, now that I've been with the athletic and I'm doing a lot more, not just 
on the Washington football team, but really some more around the league. And I've had a chance now to talk to more people, as I stated, uh, you know, in the recent uh, article where I, I did a, um, you know, big sort of Intel notebook, uh, you know, what's going on around the league pre-draft buzz, uh, talked to, you know, uh, uh, over 20 people, uh, including general managers, executive scouts, and, and so on. And I will say this, I think it's a combination of the more people you talk to, the more confusing things can be because people have different opinions. But I think it also says a lot about where we are with this draft. I think this is one of the most bizarre drafts that I can recall. I think I heard Mel Kuyper today on ESPN say it was, I don't know exactly which, what, what, how he phrased it, but more or less the wildest draft he's ever covered. And obviously he's been doing this for a long time. Uh, you know, obviously it starts at the top with, you know, will San Francisco take Mac Jones at three. What does Atlanta do? Do they take a quarterback? Do they take Kyle Pitts? Do they trade down at four? And then it just kind of keeps going from from there. That where the five quarterbacks go, or at least you know we, what we think will be Trevor Lawrence first. Then we think it'll be Zach Zach Wilson second, and then after that we'll we'll, we'll have to see where they go. Will we'll, we'll dictate a lot if they go really high. You know the you know all go in the top you know six seven eight picks. Well then that's going to really push down some other players. But it's possible maybe uh, one or two of them slip to the back of the top 10. I don't know if I see anybody getting outside the top 10. But, you know, we'll have to we'll have to see. It was reported today that uh, Justin Fields has been managing epilepsy um, during his time at Ohio State. It sounds like it's something he obviously has been managing. But nonetheless, you know, that, that could be something that for some teams might uh, change an opinion um, and, and maybe have him fall. But, you know, at the same time, if you told me he goes – third or fourth, I wouldn't be stunned. And that's kind of how things are going. And, you know, to to localize it a bit with Washington, you know, obviously the positions we talk about the most, offensive tackle and linebacker. And if you read what I wrote the other day, again, on The Athletic, um, you know, these positions are really, it's kind of all over the place with how teams view them. Now, if you're talking tackle, the aforementioned Penny Sewell was, Pretty much the clear number one. I, I know some. You know, there's been a couple or, or two mentions that maybe some teams have Rashawn Slater ahead of Sewell, but I, I haven't heard too much of that out there. Uh, Sewell, uh, sorry, Slater probably the number two. You know, really technically sound lineman who can play all over the all over the place. I think three between Christian Darrisau, the Virginia Tech tackle, and USC lineman Elijah Vera Tucker, who's probably more of a guard than tackle based on evaluators. Uh, opinions, you know, I, I think they're in the th either one of them could be the third guy, depending on how you look at it. But I think what's interesting is it becomes to what degree are they better than the group coming behind them, which includes people like uh, center Landon Dickerson from Alabama, um, another uh, another offensive lineman from Alabama, Alex Leatherwood, Sam Cosby from Texas. Um, you know, th there are a handful of off. Oh, uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. He may be closer to that top five than not. And then there's even more offensive linemen. We go into, you know, later into round two that are pretty interesting. Will teams, to some degree, pass on an offensive lineman, a valued position, grant you, to possibly take an equal position that maybe they feel there's less options. I think defensive line is one in particular where that seems like it could work. Not a very good defensive line class, particularly up the middle. Um, I, I, I'll i give you a little spoiler here. We have an, a story up on The Athletic um, 
it's a it's a, well you know what actually let me save this because i don't know actually when this is getting published so i'm going to save this it's not that big of a deal but we do i'll just say we have a mock draft up but at, at some point you'll see what i did it's something that it's not that exciting but there was an interesting decision to be made one i don't know if we'll be there in real life but nonetheless was it was interesting um and then you have the linebackers let's go there so micah parsons from penn state is generally considered to be the best one in this class from there, though, you have, uh, you know, as you guys should know by now, Notre Dame's Jeremiah Usu-Karamoa, who's a, a hybrid defender built for the modern-day sub-package era because he can play linebacker, but he's not a box linebacker. He can play safety. He can play slot corner. He's got speed. Uh, then you have Zaven Collins, this hulking 6'5", 260-pounder, runs, uh, you know, very fast for his size. Uh, you know, the award-winning award-winning season coming out of Tulsa. And I don't think he's a fit for Washington, per se. I think my sense in talking to people is he's going to be more of a 3-4 linebacker rather than what um, what Washington, obviously, typically is, is in some sort of a, you know, 4-3 or, or, you know, base four down, um, down lineman. So I don't think he's a fit here, but he's obviously a heck of a player. And then you have Jamin Davis from Kentucky, you know, one of these guys who's been surging up the boards, at least from the standpoint of people are catching up to where he where he is. I, I It feels like 19 ultimately might be a bit rich for him. But I don't necessarily know that every team feels that way. And maybe Washington isn't one of those teams that he would be a, a three down linebacker. And obviously that is what this team needs. So it is a very interesting group to consider um yeah and by the way just to you know to take it another step further the wide receivers when you get past the top three which i think are pretty much in order jamar chase jalen waddle Devonte smith after that who's wide receiver four i think rashad bateman would be my answer and some people definitely agree with me but it's not a it's not a a, a lock uh, elijah moore is definitely getting uh he, he's got fans Kadarius tony from florida uh you know, who's more, you know, part gadget guy, slot guy, whatever you want to call him. He's got uh, fans, Terrace Marshall from LSU. Uh, you know, th there's Ronda Moore from Purdue. There's a bunch of guys there as well. And again, when you talk to people around the league, it's no real consensus. So I think this is going to be an incredibly tricky draft. And as somebody who does take pride in his mocks, I really am not looking forward to, to this one coming up. I looked at my mock today and i tried to i started over and i basically tried to forget going one to 32. i just tried to look at the board and say okay where do i think on the board where i feel pretty good about a match oh how do i get there we can maybe determine it but I, where do i feel pretty good honestly i really only had three four five spots where i felt pretty confident and i don't know if i can give you an exact number but typically i would say it's probably closer to like 10 to 15 spots half the board where i'm feeling like i have a decent handle on what's going to happen here. I mean, maybe there's two options, but I have a decent handle here. The variables are just so out of hand because of all the potential trades, some which, which we've talked about previously. Some I just sort of hinted at in terms of, um, you know, people moving up for a quarterback. If Penny Sewell falls, people could move up for him. Um, it, it's, it's wild. And uh, I know everybody wants specifics. What's Washington going to do? What's Washington going to do? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows. I will, I, I will just say, I don't feel like they're going to trade up for a quarterback. I've stated that before. David and I talk about the quarterback situation. So you'll hear what he thinks about that uh, scenario uh, as well. Um, so I don't think that's the case. 
<laughs> but I mean, you got to tell me where everybody falls in in order. And you know, I think of one of those quarterbacks that they like, which would presumably be Trey Lance or Justin Fields. But look, if Mac Jones doesn't go third, he would probably be there. And I think everybody's kind of been dinging Mac Jones a bit much. Not saying he's worth a third pick. I'm just saying people are acting kind of like he's you know kind of you know kind of trash. Um, you'd have to trade up to eight or nine, I think. You know, if if there's a quarterback there that Washington likes at nine, presumably Denver would take that quarterback. So that doesn't completely work. And eight for Carolina, look, they, obviously they could move down, but, um, you know, you'd have to give up an awful lot to get that high. And that doesn't seem like the move to make if I'm the Washington football team, just what I would do, but also my sense of what of what they would do. But we will see the draft is one week from today. Excited to get here. I, I joked on Twitter today, although this is real, I received a spam phone call today. Well, I, let, let me start over. I received a phone call today with a North Dakota area code that I knew was spam. You know, just knew was spam. But I thought to myself, oh, wait, Trey Lance is, is in the world. He's playing up at North Dakota State. Is it possible this has something to do with Trey Lance? Oh, it can't be. Well, screw it. So I answered the phone. Shockingly, it has nothing to do with Trey Lance. Something about my car, and I laughed and hung up the phone. Um... But that's where we're at in the world. It's an all-consuming time of year. If you're, th- if you're inter- interested in the draft, good times. Soon enough, the Washington football team will be uh, on the clock. Uh, speaking of on the clock, let's get to right now my conversation with Washington punter Tress Way, as well as David Aldridge with The Athletic. Of course, you can follow uh, David on Twitter, and you'd think I would know his Twitter handle off the top of my head. I do not, but you can also uh, follow David. Uh, go look at the the Athletics NBA podcast. He is in the part of the Hoops Adjacent uh, edition of that, but you can check out all the uh, podcast episodes on the Athletic. David, of course, is his Twitter's at David Aldridge DC. I, I would tell you Tresses, but he's not checking it. You'll hear what you'll you'll hear about that in the conversation. So here we go. Start off Tress Way with the Washington Football Team. Followed by David Aldridge on the Athletic, here on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right, uh, for the first guest here today, I'm going to introduce him the way it seems appropriate to me for this guest by by, by way of a trivia question. <laughs> who who is I believe the second longest tenured active player on the Washington Football Team? The answer is our guest Tress Way. Is that is that right? Do I do I? I mean, you're the trivia guy. I, am, I, am I right I, on this? You know, I think so, man. I think uh, I think Morgan Moses has me by about three months, if I had to guess. The time that I spent in <laughs> Chicago in 2014, yeah. uh, April till no, maybe four or five months. So yeah, he's he's got me by a good bit. So yeah, I'm he honored. was drafted. I'm honored in, to take second. Yeah, he was drafted in 2014. You signed on right before I guess in August right before that that season I'm not gonna lie I wasn't covering the team then I mean I was paying attention but I guess I don't remember how how that worked it's you know sometimes you do see a player come on board right before but a punter it always kind of feels with the specialists these things are kind of locked in do you remember well I guess I'm sure you do what was for you like how much did you think when you came on board when they signed you you beat you were waived by the Bears you come here how much did you think you really had a chance to win the job versus you're in camp and you'll see 
Yeah, whenever whenever I was in Chicago, um, Robbie Gold uh, really invested a lot of time in me. Just saw something in me. One time, one time I had asked him. I, I just said, "Hey, buddy, what what did you see?" And he said, "I remember there was one practice. I had said something that just really pissed you off." And he said, "I think you had the best practice I had ever seen you have." And he goes, "I thought, I thought, man, this kid's got a little something if he figures out the ins and outs and gets in good groove." And he was just always encouraging me, always pushing me. And they had drafted Pat O'Donnell, who's been the Bears punter since that draft in 2014 um, and Robbie took me out to dinner that night and he said trust every single day you have to be on he goes they're going to be looking for any day that you fold or any day that you don't you know like pump very well and I, I just had this pressure every day during OTAs and especially in the training camp where uh, man I just I just kind of caught a groove I was hitting the ball well uh, and then I got cut <laughs> so after that second preseason game uh, coach Mark Tressman at the time called me in and said that a few teams have called asking about what they were going to do at punter and they want to pick up the the guy that they're going to release so you know trust thank you for your time you should be expecting a call and I didn't know how legit it was but my wife and I were driving home from Chicago back to Oklahoma City and about the halfway mark in St. Louis I'll never forget getting the DC area code uh, and I got claimed off the waiver wire and, and that was really cool for me because up to that point in my career I was an undrafted free agent got cut by the Bears almost quit football came back with the Bears again got cut and then claimed on the waiver wire um, I just I, man I felt wanted I felt like some whatever I was putting out on tape or whatever people were hearing you know they just said hey we want this guy and I think there was just something I came in with my hair on fire. I was ready to roll. And that's where I got to meet Nick for the first time and Kai Forbath at the time. And uh, man, they were just great about encouraging me through that whole first rookie year and, and trying to compete for the team in 10 days. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great story. You, you know, to, to, to come from that to the guy who's now, since you've been here and been the, the punter, obviously you've become one of the best punters in the league a clear Thank fan you. favorite. You're, you're, you're an obvious you. weapon. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's, we, we all, Thank we, you. we all sort of marvel in your ability to, with the, with the coffin corner punts and, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, put the team out of, out of harm's way. Um, before we go any further, I guess I don't think I officially said, how are you? I believe this is also your birthday week, right? So uh, yeah, <laughs> Wikipedia is not lying to me, which, you know, you never, you never can be sure. Um, yeah. So happy, happy birthday there. And, and since you're not much on social media, you haven't tweeted since like August. Your Instagram account is just nothing but uh, tumbleweed. <laughs> I don't know exactly what's going on. So, so how, how are things going? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. It was, uh, you know, when quarantine hit last year, um, I, I, I'll never forget. I was sitting there playing in the playroom with our, our twins uh, who were almost two at the time. Um, and I was just sitting there and something just kind of hit me where I was, I was just thumbing through social media and I was sitting in the playroom on the floor while they were playing. And I was like, man, I, I, I should probably just be playing. I should be reading books. I should be, you know, just doing something like that, having fun, wrestling, doing something crazy. Uh, and so I just got rid of it off of my phone. I, I haven't deleted an account or anything. I just got rid of it off of my phone. And it's, I, I do miss the interactions with the fans. I, we, man, we got the best fans. I'm so thankful for how they've treated me and treated my family. And, and, uh, and so that, that's the part that I definitely miss the most. Uh, but I will say since turning 31, um, I got a text from coach Nate Katzer and, uh, and he had texted me happy 31st birthday. And I got a couple of texts with some other buddies saying happy birthday, old man. And, and our, one of our family favorites when I was growing up as a kid, a movie was tombstone and, oh, uh, and about, Oh, great movie. And Val Kilmer who plays doc holiday Val Kilmer, right? 
Yeah, yes. I think it's Falcons. Yeah. And uh and somebody somebody's talking trash to him. I forget who it was Johnny Ringo or something like that. And he's sitting in the bar and he's coughing, sweating, looking horrible because he's sick and uh, I found that video and sent it to coach Nate Katzer of him just saying, I'm in my prime. So I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> just feeding it, trying to, trying to keep it going, but man, we're doing well. And uh, hopefully, hopefully get everything rolling back to seasons, how they've been in the past and get FedEx popping with some fans and stuff again, anxiously waiting to see what happens there. So. Uh, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you were willing to be my huckleberry for this podcast. Very, yeah, uh, there very, it is. <laughs> very, very, very <laughs> nice. The, honestly, the Val Kilmer performance, like to me is one of the, I don't know, top 10 acting performances I've ever seen. It, it, oh man. So off the charts in that awesome. movie. It's a, yep. it, it's, it's a fun movie, but he is uh, off the charts. Uh, spe- spectacular. Um, oh yeah. So, so good. Well, yeah, obviously like, you know, the way I'm viewing the world, the NFL draft is, you know, we're talking on uh, Tuesday afternoon, the NFL draft is, you know, a little over a week away. And that is sort of, to a certain degree, puts the capper. Well, no, I shouldn't say this. I guess the the, the off season stuff will put the real capper once you get the practices. But at this point, it will put the capper on sort of what this team will largely look like. Currently, Washington has eight draft picks. Some players yeah. will come, and maybe a few other things here and there. But this will largely be the team. And then, under normal times, we start going rookie rookie mini camps, mini camps, OTAs, and so on. Things are going to be a little bit different this year. The, the virtual stuff started this week right you just kind of yeah. we're in the midst of if some of this already so for you the off season is essentially over i guess right <laughs> yeah well, at least, I, at least this part of the off season yeah yeah no doubt i i've kind of always viewed it as um i always especially now that i love playing some golf i really love doing the parallel of golf to the punting world where man i could go i could go work out in sorry that's our little baby girl getting a little fussy there. All good. <laughs> I could, I could, uh, I could go work out and, uh, you know, I'm sure that my wife would really appreciate it if I got all shredded and ripped up and things like that and lift and ran constantly. But much like a golfer, if I was to go out and just work out all of the time, but I never swung a club, I never went out and hit the putting green. I never hit the driving range. I would show up to that first tournament and I'd probably suck a little bit like initially. And so for me, I just, I found a good groove over the, uh, over the years of obviously I just want to stay in shape to play as long as I possibly can, but also I just get out and now it's really fun that, that our kids are old enough. I'll take uh, our three-year-olds out and uh, they'll shag the balls for me. I'll get my son to toss to me once in a while. And so I just go out one or two times a week leading up into this virtual off season um, phase one, phase two, phase three, whole program, and just getting ready for training camp in the next season. So just trying to keep the leg in shape. I always joke around to say, go out and give it a couple flicks, make sure you still know the feeling off your foot and then see you later. So you, you got, I always wonder, like, you got to have the, you got to have the, the, the people to retrieve the ball. It's not just enough to kick the yeah. ball 50 yards and knock it out of bounds at the three. Somebody now has to go get it. And, you know, <laughs> you don't exactly want to keep doing that every, 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 every other kick or anything. So yeah, it's good to have, <laughs> that's right. It's good to have some people there to, uh, to, to, to help the cause. Um, you know, it's funny, like we, whenever, you know, realistically, when most people are talking about what is the team going to look like, we're talking to a large degree that the, 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 the 11 on the offense, 11 on the defense, and yes, the kicker and the punter in particular, but we don't really necessarily view it from the, the, the special teams group, who are the gunners, who are the punt protectors, who are the guys, it's not, oh, it's not just 11, but who are the people in those roles? When, when you know so we're all thinking about hey ryan fitzpatrick's coming here curtis samuel's coming here and so on do you how do you look at it do you look at it and say oh wait that that yeah. guy was 
a kind of I thought a key contributor to what we were doing on a, in, oh, in special yeah. teams, and he yeah. is or isn't coming back. How much are you kind of paying attention to yeah. that when, yeah. when, when the roster is being put together? First of all, man, I'm I'm really impressed with that question. That is exactly what goes through my mind. So that is uh, touche to you for acknowledging that. But um, I, I'd say first and foremost, it starts with two people: uh, DeShazer Everett, our special teams captain, and then Coach Nate Katzer. I, I Coach Nate's ability to get everybody to not only understand, but strive towards the goal and the identity that he wants us and we want us to have on special teams. And then a guy like DeShazer, um, I don't know, I, I don't know just in terms of sheer, just sheer football, just running, blocking, tackling, effort, toughness, speed. Like if you factor just football, like into one person, he's got to be top three guys that I've ever played with in terms of instincts and ability and just everything under that umbrella. And those two guys, having those two guys as our leaders, that other guys coming in, buying in, young guys learning, veteran guys, and that, that, that humility that some guys have that, that come in from another team and they coach Nate is the first one to pull them into the office and go, Hey man, here's the deal. You're a special teams dog. And I am just a fan of yours. I love the way you play and I'm looking forward to seeing how you contribute for us. his ability to empower guys and things like that. Something I'm very thankful for because I think if you were to chalk it up on my attempted tackles and actual tackles, I'm something like 50%. So I really, I mean, those dudes are out of my league. So uh, I love having those guys that, that have that kind of effort and sell out, um, uh, especially for punt team, but just teams in general. So, <laughs> um, you, you know, if, 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 a, if a quarterback had the resume that you, the equivalent resume that you did, it wouldn't be illogical to think that the quarterback maybe doesn't have, you know, maybe sway is a bit much when it comes to certain decisions, but like, I'm sure they would be consulted. Like we even just heard recently that to some degree that with Adam Humphrey signing, that part of that was Ryan Fitzpatrick said, Hey, he knew him from Tampa Bay and they had a connection and he thought it'd be good. So they explored it further and, and made that move. Do you, is there anything like in your world where do, do they have conversation with you or do you ever, you don't seem like the kind of guy who's going to, uh, you know, put your thumb on, try to put your thumb on the scale yeah. for anything, but do yeah. you, but do you, do you ever have any conversations like, Hey, I was watching tape and this fridge yeah. and on that team looks like a pretty good in this role for special teams, or, Hey, maybe we want to keep this guy because I thought he helped me. And you know, so does that ever, do they ever kind of, yeah, come you know, that's, things? You know, maybe, maybe in passing, uh, it, it's nothing, nothing concrete. It's nothing substantial. Uh, maybe it's just somebody in passing that we've played before and they're like, Hey, we're kind of taking a look at this guy and, uh, Hey, we've seen this, we've seen that. Um, but, but not necessarily, um, you know, in all honesty to, to get into a totally different subject. Uh, I, I am, I am really, I'm really, I guess you could say looking forward to, but it's, it's just a weird emotional position of, of what we'll end up doing at long snapper, you know, after sure. having Nick for so long, especially not just on the field, like who he was for me on the field, but off the field and took me under his wing whenever I came in as a rookie and became one of my very best friends. And so uh, little things like that, this is kind of my first time going through that as crazy as that sounds going into year eight. That's how lucky I've been that I've got the, the same long snapper, um, for the last seven years so um i'd be honored if they asked but regardless i'm gonna i'm just gonna try and really get along with whoever they put uh near me whether it's snapping or on the team and do anything i can to help and also just to continue playing at a high level so yeah and and just to sort of build off that because i was sort of wondering and i want to get to nick in a second but 
So if we're talking about like, you know, obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in as the quarterback and they have to assess how does he fit in with Scott Turner's system? We have these types of receivers and running backs and the offensive line. You know, you have to assess all the things to determine whether this guy makes the most sense. I would think for a long snapper, we get the basic, the, the basic gist, hike the ball in a position for either yep. the holder to put it down or for you as the punter to catch it. So I would think on some level, the, it, this is like a world of three. It's Well, it's really you as the punter, the holder, and for Dustin Hopkins um, as well. Do, yeah. So to that end, like, do you, do, again, I mean, like on some logical level, it feels like they should be talking to you guys about this position because, I mean, I don't know the, the subtle nuance between one long snapper versus another with how the ball is delivered, but I would have to imagine yeah. there's some science to that, and therefore this would be important for how you guys are going to view yeah. that, that higher. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that's a really good point. I, I think I think what it boils down to kind of at its foundation is that it is no matter if you are a player, a coach, scout, front office executive, it is a it is a results driven industry. And so you have a player who's trying to put the best he can out on tape or the best he can out to get picked up. But then that player is with the coach and then that coach is within the scouts picking the players, the coaches. However, however, this whole ball rolls together. Everybody is trying to you're just trying to win. And so if if something is. I don't feel like it's necessarily in my line of duty, if that makes sense. I, I like coach Nate has done an awesome job of just saying, Hey, Tress, you know, we're, we're not entirely sure. We have some really good feelers out on where we're going to go with long snapper, but he focuses more on me and my approach to that situation, which is something I'm very thankful for because in a way it, it takes a lot of pressure off of me in that regard. It's just, Hey, if we bring a young kid in, then hey, love on them, take them under your wing, show them how we do things around here. And we get the opportunity to kind of mold him and shape him to how fit, how it fits our system. And then if it's a, a vet that I've crossed paths with in the past, then it's a completely different story where it's just, all right, let's just start gelling and working together. And so um, I'm very thankful particularly like with my coaches, how they've approached it or, or talked to me about how to approach it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And obviously this is all coming about because as, as you said, you know, the, the team decided to move on for, from Nick, who at who was the longest tenured player on the team. You jumped from third. Well, actually you jumped from fourth to second because not only uh, with Nick, but obviously Ryan Kerrigan at the moment is not with mm-hmm. any team. So we'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I, but obviously it's not just there are co we, we all have co-workers and then we have friends who happen to be co-workers yeah. and clearly you know i think anybody who's paid attention and those of us who were fortunate enough to be in the locker room could see the bond between you and nick and dustin um how surprising was it when you heard the news that, that he was kind of moving on and and what was what was kind of going on between the three of you when when you kind of heard that was that was going on yeah you know i think i think no matter I think no matter how you shape it or how you view it, anything like that would be a surprise unless you absolutely were the one doing it or had a hand in, you know, kind of informing Nick that, uh, that we were going to move on. And I think that's just due to just sheer emotion, like just the, the, the love you have for somebody, the relationship that you have with somebody. And so, um, you know, I got a I got a phone call, uh, I got a phone call from Nick and and he just said that, man, and and I'm not surprised at all by Ron, just, just 
being very man to man, um, not hiding from anything and just letting Nick exactly or letting Nick know exactly kind of where they were standing and how they were going to go about this and very black and white and crystal clear uh, to Nick and, um, and and Nick and I still talk, you know, multiple times a week and, and things of that nature, but it's just it's one of those where um, I think about <laughs> I think about going in for training camp, and it'll it'll probably immediately for a moment just think about like oh, Nick's not here yet, you know like one of the, you have to understand right. in this in this battery of a punter and a, a snapper and a punter that I've got Nick on punts and I've got Nick on field goals. I I'm just catching his snaps all the time. So it's, it's going to be freaking weird at first. So, and that's not to discredit anybody that comes in. It's just the, just the fact of, you know, that's a, that's a really, especially in the NFL, that's a really long time to, to be together with someone. And so I think it'll, it'll definitely take some, some getting used to from Hop and I standpoint um, and we'll just constantly be missed for sure. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be, to be, it's such a routine thing that you guys have um in that relationship and you know it's one of those things with a long snapper you know none of us notice it until you know you hope nothing goes wrong but the a wayward a wayward snap whatever and you guys almost essentially never had 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 those types of issues so it was just a very functional situation on top of the fact that you guys are clearly are very tight so yeah i mean i i I think a lot of us felt it both like oh nick sunberg is somebody who's been around for a while but also you know, you could see the end of it, not the end of the friendship. I'm sure you guys will, will stay tight, but at this, but the end of this yeah. part of your lives where you guys are all together yeah. um, in, in, in this way. And, and so to that end, like, so Nick, who, again, said he'd been with the organization since what, 2010, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ryan Kerrigan was drafted in the first round in 2011. Again, possibly he could return, but right now he's, he's not back. Um, Alex Smith, you know, he's he's now just yesterday announced he's retiring we already knew he wasn't going to be back and based on what everybody has said he's an all-time locker room leader guy yeah. there yeah. are there are other veterans like yourself like morgan moses brandon sheriff and others but that's a lot of veteran leadership know-how gone what do yeah. you do as a as a guy who's now one of the you know you're you're not the you're not just a kid anymore you're, you're <laughs> as, as we said you're, you're you're you know you're in your prime but you're you know you're you're, 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 you're one of the you're one of the true veterans out. What do you or others do you think have to do if anything to sort of replace all that leadership that that is likely now gone? Yeah, you know, uh, um, to give to give Ron a lot of credit, um, his ability every single team meeting. Um, whether it is virtual or back in the day when we were meeting in person or at the end of practice, whenever he delivers his message to us, he is so clear and he is so precise. Um, and not only that, he, he gives us what we can do. So it's not like he stands up there and he tells us something and it's like, okay, well, what did he mean by that? Like he gives us instruction. He gives us uh, the attitude he wants us to have. And so I think with that, um, anybody, anybody that has the opportunity to play for Ron, uh, whether you're a veteran, whether you're a rookie, I understand now after playing for so long, how much weight, you know, it really pulls whenever you have veterans that really buy into that, that attitude and they, and that, that's all that we can do. Like it's, it's out of your control, uh, that you're one of the old dogs in the locker room, or you're one of the, the longer veterans in the locker room, but 
what is under your control is how you approach every day, how everybody else sees you approach every day. Um, and I, I'm very confident and very comfortable with the fact that that's not something that we have to do alone because we have a coach that's, that's very easy to get behind. Um, you, you mentioned the idea of, of some virtual practices. My, I, I didn't even ask, but I assume you are in Oklahoma now. Yeah, currently, currently in Oklahoma, uh, our daughter's, uh, our baby girl's first birthday is coming up this weekend. So I, I had kind of informed coach and everybody that I was going to stay at least this first week and then start the haul back with the dogs and get ready for phase two and things like that. So, yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you, obviously it's been interesting, you know, some, some players yeah. and some teams have decided to, yeah. to opt out of these voluntary programs. And Ron told us that he talked to you guys about it and said, it is up yeah. to, it is voluntary. It is up to you guys. There is a portion. I think it's the third phase. I think it starts May 17th. That is sort of the traditional mandatory sessions, mm-hmm. but what's your, I guess, based on what you've seen so far, like how many, do you have any sort of sense of like how many guys showed versus how many guys yeah. are staying back? Yeah, man, that's, you know, that's been just a nightly conversation for, for my wife and I and put the kids to bed and we're just kind of chatting, seeing all these teams, um, you know, kind of the, the team, each team in their own way has kind of come together and made a decision from there. And it, it is, it's really interesting. I, I just, this is, this is not, I have not spoken to anybody else on the team about this. This is just kind of my sentimental take on how I feel about everything is, what we were able to accomplish and push through to last year to getting into the playoffs, how, how coach makes us feel um, when we are there, this dude can light a fire under you now. Like when you're, when you're playing, you're practicing and he really gets going and some of like his old playing days come out and he gets real fired up. Uh, You know, I, I don't think that that is to be discredited on, on why, you maybe have not seen a, a statement from the players of the Washington football team. I, that Once again, this is me just being a cheesy old dad still playing football. But I, I there's, I mean, I, I'm genuinely, I got to talk to coach on the phone and I, I can't, I can't wait to build off of what we just freaking did last year. And I think that there's a, a huge consensus or a, a not I, I guess I shouldn't say consensus but there's definitely a huge cloud of that attitude that is looming in everybody and man everybody everybody definitely wants to be safe and, and we want to do anything we can to take the right precautions but I think I think everybody also wants to play some freaking ball too so that's kind of that it's it's a definitely a weird time and so it's it's been uh, anxious to watch every day <laughs> what happens so yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, this is what you do. You play football and there is only, you know, uh, regardless of the position, there is only so many years to do it and you want to get out there and do it. And obviously if you're, if you're care about your craft, as, as you clearly do, you want to get better and you get better by practicing and so on, but how do you yeah. do it in this environment? It is, it is a trickier thing. Um, uh, in the last couple of minutes I have with you here, I'm going to go with, I mentioned the trivia, uh, I guess, are, how is that? How is that at, at trivia game going? Are we still uh, hardcore? Uh, were you uh, were, were you ever were you ever able to make it out to the the Ashburn Pub when I did the the bar trivia night out there in Ashburn one night? I, I was not. I was just you know when okay. you when when you and the, and the other two would 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 would, get, would ask us the questions and it would take like yeah. how many yep. sports writers does it take to answer <laughs> one trivia question? It was about twelve, and we often didn't yeah. even get it right, but. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, so, so what, uh, whenever, when the kids came along in the off season, there was, there's definitely, you know, we got 
three-year-old twins and then a little baby girl about to turn one. Uh, so there's definitely more than enough to keep me busy around here throughout the day. So I, I've kind of put all that stuff on the back burner for now, but, but what's been really popular is uh, kind of just came out of nowhere. Uh, the guys at the Ashburn pub invited me, Nick and hop to come out and host a what's your bid trivia night. And I just kind of started brainstorming to make it a, a bar trivia style game. Uh, and so that's what we do from time to time. I get texts from a couple of buddies. They're having bachelor parties or, uh, my brother-in-law that was my soon to be brother-in-law currently now my brother-in-law for his bachelor party, wanted to go out to a local brewery and we split up into teams and did what's your bid bar trivia style. And he just absolutely loved it. So that's just something I kind of do from time to time to sprinkle in. If I get invited by some buddies or a local bar here at uh, in Norman or something like that, but I'm on the back burner for now. I'm not saying I'm done with it, but definitely on the back burner. So. All right, fair enough. I, I, I've got a couple questions, the combination of trivia and you just have to answer. I don't think, I, I think even if it's on the back burner, I think you'll be, you'll, you'll be okay. Uh, we'll Deal. start with just the personal question. I, some of these I ask uh, every, every guest. I, I ask some guests questions about social media, but since you're not really an active participant, I'll skip that. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry. No, that's all right. So just start with this. Who, who's your all-time uh, favorite athlete? All-time favorite athlete, uh, I'd probably have to go with Mickey Mantle. But uh, him being an Oklahoma kid, small yeah. town, the Commerce Comet. Uh, and uh, I wore number seven all my life in baseball. And uh, and I just thought thought I was going to play for the Yankees one day as a little kid watching, uh, not watching Mickey Mantle, but just any, that, that 61 Billy Crystal movie that came out on HBO a while back. My family and I, we loved that one. And uh, I had always loved baseball. So always, always liked Mickey Mantle. Um, hold, hold that thought. Hold hold on one yeah. sec. Hold that thought. So in my younger days, I, I would be up in New York often. I have relatives up there. My dad used to was from New York, and one time we were uh, hanging out somewhere near Central Park, and somebody said that Mickey Mantle's restaurant was. This was back a, a while ago when you know, and, and they said his restaurant was around the corner. I'm like, oh, could we go over there? I'd like to, you know, I'm sure they have an autograph. You know, he's he's already signed pictures or whatever to get an autograph. So we walked in. It was me and my cousin, who is an actual Yankees fan. I view them as the evil empire, but regardless. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. So, we, so we, walk, we walk in, we go up to the host. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Can we get an autograph? And we're like, sure, he's over there. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, he's right there. So Mickey, so I'm showing Tress. Here's, here's a How Mickey. about that, man? Oh, okay. So fun fact for you, too. If you can find it anywhere. So the M's, how he does his M's, where he goes down and loops around. Yeah. If you can find it anywhere, when I do my W for my autograph, when somebody asks me for my W, it looks like a Mickey Mantle's M, but upside down. I do the line and then loop around. I stole I stole that M for my W and my autograph. So nice, yeah, nice. That's very cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, all right, who um, who has played more games as a member of the Washington organization, John Riggins or Tress Way? I, I mean, I would just feel so dumb if I said myself, I got to take Rigo. So at this moment, the answer is Rigo, but you're, you're only two games behind. So we asked this Shut question. Shut up. Yeah, we asked 114 oh, sweet, to 112. Man. So we, we asked right. this question, you know, one month of this season, you, you're going to be up um, on the uh, yeah. Super Bowl uh, I'm a, a, MVP. Yeah, uh, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, again, I understand you're not paying much attention to Twitter, but you do have some people that follow you. Who has more Twitter followers, you or Dustin Hopkins? Me. 
Would you like to guess the the current? I don't even know if you know how many you have. Would you like to guess the current distance one way or the other? I'm not confirming if that's the correct answer or not. I think I'll take, I'll do the difference is the amount of times I've beaten hop and ping pong. So I'll say 5,000. Wow. Okay. The answer is 4,000, but either way, that's oh! good smack talk. But yes, you have, <laughs> you have 17,500. He's got about 13,500. All right. All He's right. also not verified. I don't really understand how this works. Somebody needs to get on this. He's a professional athlete. He's been, you know, big on yeah. the stage for a while. Somebody needs to, uh, to, to work that out. Um, yeah. Not a trivia question. You mentioned, well, the draft is less than 10 days away. Punters don't often get drafted. To say, to, to say, what's it like for a punter when it's your year during the draft? Are you paying attention? Do you just not care? Do you go play golf? You wait for an agent or somebody to tell you what happened? Like, what do you do? Yeah. So are you asking me currently now or if I'm a punter coming like, out of college? Yeah, like when you're coming out of college. Gotcha. Yeah. When, gotcha. Yeah, when, yeah. when you were, when you're that guy, you're like, oh, NFL, but punters yeah. you know maybe one a year gets drafted yeah yeah i um particularly with with my class in particular uh there there was two guys that you kind of knew that they were they were if anybody's getting drafted it's going to be them and then you have somewhere you know like eight to ten other guys that man they've had, they've got really good legs or they've had pretty good college careers so they'll get a shot at you know mini camps and things of that nature I was, I was in that group. So I'm sure if you're in that kind of top one, top two, where, man, there's a good chance you're getting a call, you come back with a good grade, um, you're, you're, you're pretty excited for that draft day. And then if you're in that group that I was in, you're out there every day trying to get as consistent as you can, trying to figure out something that makes you you, and then you can go compete with some veteran over it. But, yeah, I was, I was definitely in that, <laughs> that larger portion that was probably not going to get a call. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just so interesting. Obviously, not not everybody who's in the draft class, no matter what position, gets drafted. But it's you know, punter is such an important position, and yet it isn't one that, in terms of the draft, is is uh, you know uh, coveted. It, our our guy, um, our NFL draft analyst, did a, a full seven round mock draft the other day, and for Washington, I think in the seventh round, he had them drafting a long snapper. I don't even know how often a long snapper actually gets drafted. I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't, I I don't, I, I mean, I am sure that, that, that there's guys out there that are definitely talented enough and um, can catch a coach's eye, particularly like teams with a need and and things like that. But, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I I bet Nick could tell you in the past how many had, uh, had been drafted, but man, off the top of my head, I, I, I have no idea. Well, there's a trivia question for somebody out there. Amen. If you, if you'd like, if you have the answer to that, you can, you can tweet us. I'm at Ben standing. Tre- I actually don't know what Tress is Twitter's, but it doesn't matter. He's not going to look at it anyway. Um, l- l- last question. This isn't a trivia nor really uh, this is just a, uh, to, to sort of cap it all off. You guys obviously had a successful close to the season. You win five of the last seven regular season games. You gave Tampa a pretty good run in there. They obviously go on to win the Super Bowl. So I imagine on some level, that you competed against them to that degree, maybe boosted spirits despite the loss to some degree, as you saw. But it's also an odd year. You finished seven and nine. We know that the division itself was, um, you know, down, and that's why a team at seven and nine could win. So we're all trying to figure out, though, to various degrees, what do we make of this team going forward? So I guess what can you tell us about what do we think of this team going forward? Yep. 
Oh, hey, hey sorry, buddy. You, no, you froze and then I lost you. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that was me. I was talking. I was like, wait, did I freeze or did Tress freeze? <laughs> um, no, all good. Uh, uh, what I, I'll just start over from, from that. I guess yeah. what I was asking is, um, you know, lastly, you know, we talked about the, 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 the season. It's such an interesting season that you guys just had. Obviously, you finish strong. You win five of the last seven regular season games. You give Tampa a really good run. In the playoff game, they go on to win the Super Bowl. I'm sure, to maybe I don't know if there's a moral victory in that, but maybe to some degree, you say, hey, look, if we had done this or that against the team that won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, who knows where we're at. On the other hand, the team is finished with a seven and nine record. Just because the NFC East was what it was, allowed a team with a seven and nine record to um, to to win a division and make the playoffs. Um, but at the same point, you know, there's some optimism with the coaching staff, as you kind of just indicated with, with, with Ron. Uh, you know, there are some changes, and we'll see how Ryan Fitzpatrick fits in. There's obviously so much of this interesting young core with Chase Young and Terry McLaurin and, 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 and others, and there's about to be a draft. What, tell us what to believe going forward here. How do we? How does yeah. anybody assess what happened with this team last year to make it to make heads or tails of whether it was a team ascending or a team that to a degree with the division sort of got fortunate and then with the moves that have been made, what, what, how do we view this team going forward here? Yeah, that's, man, that's a great question. I, I think first and foremost for me, uh, looking back at every off season that I've been a part of Washington, there, there's, there's always optimism. Like you can always look back and there was like, Hey, there's things that we got to get better at. And then there were things that we really liked where we were at. And so having that optimism every single off season, that is not going to change. What was different for me this year in the season that we had was all of these close games, these these hard fought games where we're trying to grind out wins, um, not playing them perfect, good timing, bad timing, uh, all of these games early in the season, it just seemed like we were coming out on the wrong side. Um, there were games obviously that were not as close, but I'm talking about those hard fought games where you leave the parking lot going, Oh my gosh, we should have won that game. And for us to flip that in the second half of the season where we had, and, and make no mistake that what the, the division being what it was last year, knowing that we were just still a dog in the fight that, that we were just trying to punch our ticket and keep going. I think it gave guys a chance um, young guys, older guys of this new regime and this new attitude that that coach is trying to convey to us, really giving that a, a real shot when things were tough, but we also still had a chance of making the playoffs. And I, I had not been a part of something like that up to this point, you know, since getting here in 2014. And so that that is the main reason, I think, even from inside the locker room where the optimism comes from. And if I could preach any sort of optimism out to DC and to the fan base, it would be that optimism that we feel in the locker room. Well, I, I look, I, I think that's a, I think that feeling comes across, even though none of us have been in the locker room for a while now. And that even, you know, mm-hmm. obviously for fans as well, I mean, it, it, things definitely ended on an uptick. It feels like the positive vibes have continued. There hasn't been any from the football perspective, but things have been fairly normal. So that's all good. And yeah, with the draft, there's always optimism as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure no matter what happens here, over the next few days, uh, there'll be more uh, more positive vibes to go. Uh, Tress, you always bring the positive vibes. I really appreciate the time, man. Best of luck. I I, I, I look forward to hearing about uh, you. You made your kids work uh, shagging all your punts here <laughs> the rest of the off season, and hopefully we'll have a chance to see you in person here at some point. Hey, Amen, man. Yeah, thank you, buddy. That was fun.
All right. So as people who listen to this podcast know, I talk often about the Washington football team and the Wizards, and my brain works in ways to find comparisons between the two, even when there's not necessarily, they, they don't necessarily exist. I actually do think, though, with the way the Wizards are playing right now, that there is a comparison between what's going on with the basketball team and what happened with the actual football team uh, this year. So, so nobody better to help me discuss this to see if there's method to my madness than Mr. Uh, basketball Hall of Famer himself, David Aldridge. Uh, DA, I appreciate, I appreciate the time. Uh, the, the, the Wizards at the moment we're talking have won seven of eight. They're going to play Golden State tonight. And uh, <laughs> we'll get to the football team in a second. If they win this game tonight, they've already beaten some good teams during this run. But if they mm-hmm. beat this team tonight with the way Steph Curry is playing at, 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 at you know, superhuman levels, the, the, the discussion of the Wizards will go to, oh, this is sort of cute. And what is happening to, oh, oh no, wait, are they actually, is this actually a real, a real thing? Like, I guess before we get into the comparison, like how much are you viewing the Wizards right now with positive vibes or still sort of with a side eye? I mean, you know, I, I you know, you can't, you can't be so cynical that you can never give a team credit for, for being playing well. Right. I mean, so you know, while I still am not convinced this is the best way to build a roster, that um, <laughs> this is the most efficient way to build a team that that can that can rise to championship level in the next couple of years, you have to acknowledge that they're playing very well, and especially the defensive end. I mean, we, you and me and Fred Katz have been throwing numbers at each other, and we each are like, "Wow, can you believe this?" And like every metric shows that the Wizards, the last you know, two months have been like a really good defensive team. Like at some point you have to acknowledge that that's actually happening. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, they've, they've been out, they've been very good defensively. I think there is a, it is analogous to what the the football team did in terms of kind of, I don't know if it's rebuilding on the fly because I think the football team's gone with a lot, you know, they, they built a, a defensive side of the football. That's very good. And they've done it through the draft, which is kind of what I wish the basketball team would do. Um, so it's, it, they haven't, they haven't built it the same way, but the results are the same. I mean, they are, they are playing better and you have to give them credit for playing better. Now is why are they playing better defensively? I mean, is it, um, you know, more attention to detail in terms of the, the switching communication, all of those things. I mean, there's some of that. I mean, Robin Lopez is always, I think Fred wrote this at the, when they got Robin Lopez that every year, every team he's been on has gotten better defensively, every team. And um, he certainly has played more, I, I would suspect, than they anticipated him playing, but he's played and he's played pretty well. And, uh, you know, getting Gafford's been very good since they brought him in defensively. Um, so eliminating some of those rim runs and easy layups is a part of defense. Um, we all believed, I think, you know, they were giving up in, in a ridiculous amount of threes early on. But some of that, I think we all said was noise because nobody is going to shoot that well like, on threes for a full season as opponents for shooting against the Wizards early. So that's kind of progressed to the mean a little bit as well. So, um, you know, they're playing well. I mean, they, they are playing well. Westbrook has given them a competitiveness that I think they were lacking the last several years. To the you know when you're down to a good team by eight, it doesn't mean the game's over. You know, <laughs> like right. you can still keep playing and maybe fight your way back into the game. And and there's just been no mental fight with this team for so long 
Um, and now they have a little bit of mental toughness that they can kind of come back um, against good teams. They can win on the road. I mean, these are things that it's been, it's so, it's just so, it's so frustrating to me that I have to say things like this, like that doesn't happen every night in the NBA, right? Like, like you have to win on the road. Yeah. Good teams do that. All they've done that. They do that every year. Good, you know, you have to come back from double digit deficit. Yes. That's what good teams do. They come back from double digit deficits. It's not that big a deal, you know, but it, with this franchise, it is, you know, small steps, right. Small moves. And so they are, uh, you know, they're doing those things. Some of those things. <laughs> right. No, for, it's, it's, it's been, it's wild to see. And like I said, I feel like not that it'll be definitive, even if they lose, but I think we'll get a better sense of whether how much you really start really believing this, if they can somehow beat Golden State. They just beat Golden State the other day in Golden right. State, granted, but like, you know, th- to do it now w- w- would be really interesting with the run that they're on. But I mentioned at the top, sort of comparing them to the football team. And I think there is, a, it, I think there are some interesting parallels here. Now, when they both started their respective years, they were in different spaces. The football team was a complete teardown rebuild situation with Ron Rivera coming in. And obviously the pandemic affects both teams. It was more, well, they, you know, they, they were, it was a comparable situation to various degrees. We, we, as a country, were still very uncertain as to what was going to happen in either, in either case. Um, yeah. The football team had n- n- no expectations. It, we were all talking top five pick all year and they started off what one and five, two and seven, something like that. So it looked, <laughs> look to be Dire. on track <laughs> um, only for things to then turn around now with the, with the basketball team there were there were decent expectations not contend for the east but you know right. with, with Westbrook joining Beal playoff team yeah, playoff yeah team. A, play, a playoff team then they start yeah. off 0-5 and immediately we went to well okay I guess that was an adorable storyline then Westbrook <laughs> is looking like he may have hit the wall and mm. now it's like oh wow the, the Wizards need to tear things down but similar to the football team who then went from that two and seven start to actually winning games um whether it was inspired by alex smith and ron rivera's personal journeys or just a young team finding its way they finished seven and nine win it win a down nfc east make the playoffs give tampa bay a good showing in in, in the offseason and in the playoffs and now there's some optimism going forward those simultaneously yeah. they took themselves from having this top 10 pick to now picking 19 at a point in which it doesn't look like they're going to get a quarterback unless they have to trade up and give up assets. So that we'll see how that trade-off goes yeah. over time. The Wizards mm-hmm. have a similar story. We had already said, okay, well, they're starting off terrible. They, their defense yeah. is no good. All these things. Well, we can look move forward. Are they going to should they trade Bradley Beal? Even if they don't, they'll be poised to get a top five pick in here in which the draft <laughs> is loaded with, yeah. with, with talent at the top. And now they've ripped off seven of eight, as I said. They're right now tied. I don't. I, I don't know if the Bulls played yesterday or not, but they're tied. no. They didn't. They're okay. tied with them. Yeah. So they're tied. So everybody the plays tonight, I think. Yeah. They're tied with the Bulls for the tenth seed, which I okay. Granted, that's sort of a it's silliness. It's just yes. <laughs> game. But okay, if you were to win that, then you could make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. look, the reality is that, like you said before, it's, it can't be just cynical all the time and say that they're bad no matter what. And I crush them as much as anybody, but Westbrook is playing at a all NBA level and combined deals played at that level all year. The two of them yeah. together. I made this on, I said this on Twitter the other day. I like joked, like, does anybody else thinking ahead that if they played Philly in round one, that Washington would have the second and third best player in the series. It's not, <laughs> it's not crazy to think about it. I mean, I'm not right. saying it would win, but right. that's where they're at. But then simultaneously 
they may be screwing their future because if they if they actually make the playoffs, for, they won't even be in the lottery, let alone yeah. have not have a top five pick. So it, it it is interesting to have both these teams are playing better than at least we'll say early expectations and may be doing enough to be interesting in the, this year, yet simultaneously potentially yeah. screwing themselves up long-term. But I think it's a bigger issue for the Wizards than the football team because they're just the nature of the sports where one player can make such a difference. So do, right. do you see that comparison? Oh, yeah, that yeah, no. Yeah, and I think it's even more apt because the one position that you're talking about with the football team is the most important position in sports, right? <laughs> so if you, if it is analogous to the Wizards because one person in basketball, one person, the quarterback in football has an oversized impact on on how well the team does. So it's very analogous, I think. Um, and it, and and, it, and they are in very similar positions. Like, how much do you give up to get that? player that can maybe change your whole franchise and to me i'm you know this is why i was all in on deshaun watson before all this stuff came out which is you don't get a chance to get those guys very often you know so if you you know and i would say the same thing when it comes to the draft and i don't know what their thinking is on which one of these quarterbacks they like the most which one of these non-trevor lawrence quarterbacks they really are in love with but if you're in love with one of them, if you're in love with Zach Wilson, go get Zach Wilson. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm always on, on that train in football because quarterback's too important. You can't win without a great quarterback. You just can't. Not in football. You can't win without an elite level quarterback. It's not like, I mean, does, does everybody not understand what just happened this year with Tampa Bay? I mean, it's not, it's not like, Wow, I wonder how that happened. Because they got a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's what that's what happened. You know, like now they got him at the end of his career, and Tom, he's a unicorn. You're not supposed to do this in your 40s. He's he's good enough to still be great when it when he needs to be great. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I think there's analogies there, and I would say the same thing with the Wizards. Like, if you really think Jalen Suggs or Cade Cunningham is uh, you know, a franchise level player, then you have to go, you have to trade anybody you have to trade to go get that guy. And when I say anybody, I mean, anybody, anybody on your team, any draft pick, any group of draft picks to go get a guy that can be that great. You have to go get him. So in terms of the, the football team, look, the idea of like, if you think, if a team thinks this guy is great, you go get him. Now, we don't know what they think that. My assumption would be they don't think that about any of these people because they haven't done anything yet, right? The 49ers, mm-hmm. whatever any, whatever they do, whether they take Mac Jones at three or go with Justin Fields or Trey Lance, they determined that they wanted to get up to three because they were going to do something. Maybe they already yeah. know what they're doing or maybe they were going to learn along the way. Washington was aggressive in trying to get Matthew Stafford and poked around with other quarterbacks, but didn't ultimately make a move here in the draft, which would say mm-hmm. to me, they don't love anybody that much. Now they could right. move up if somebody were to slip to say into the eight, nine range, as we've discussed yeah. before, they're going to have to trade ahead of 10 because the three NFC East teams are picking 10, 11, and 12, and they're not going to exactly help Washington right. with the trade. <laughs> um, so they're going to have to trade up, but I would almost guess, like I said, that they don't love anybody enough to, to do it, but that brings, so that brings to a different question, I guess. We're in this time in which this particular, this offseason or this last year or so, we've seen a lot of veteran quarterback movement, more than normal. You already mentioned Brady, the fact he went from New England to Tampa Bay is still bizarre. If, he, if, I woke up, <laughs> if I woke up tomorrow and you told me that was all a dream, I'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. 
he didn't actually play for Tampa Bay last year and win another Super Bowl. But then also Matthew Stafford, as we just said, moved. Carson Wentz moved. Jared Goff. Yeah. All, yeah. all these guys are in new spots. And now, going look a year from now, is it conceivable that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are playing on different teams based on the talk all this yeah. year? Absolutely. Plus, we don't know what else will happen. The the the, the Wentz move in particular was not anything anybody foresaw before last season started yeah. and you know in terms of the draft people will say well it look next year's draft class doesn't look good uh scouts will say that zach wilson and matt jones would have been third round picks if they hadn't played this year so yeah. who knows how that develops and and from that is i guess my thinking is i know that people right now desperately want washington to trade the fans at least want mm-hmm. them to trade up pundits mm-hmm. all over the place keep citing washington as a team to trade up i just keep thinking Boy, if you really don't love somebody to the degree you haven't already made the trade up, just wait. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know that's not the long-term answer. <laughs> and I'm not even saying draft a quarterback on day two. I always, I don't really always like those kinds of picks. It feels like you're forcing something because um, mm-hmm. the guy was all that you picked in the first round. Uh, so I kind of like that. I think I would prefer them to wait and see what happens this year with Fitzpatrick and this team on the rise, perhaps, and then see what the next offseason brings. Because if Fitzpatrick can take you to another level, and he's only on a one-year contract, does an Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson put Washington on their list next year when they say to their teams, hey, I want out of here. So I'm yeah. thinking that I would wait, but I know a lot of people do not have that patience to find the quarterback. So where are you and Colin on that aspect? Yeah, I mean, I just come back to, again, it, it, you know, if, again, if you love one, go get him. Um, if you don't, I agree with you. If you're like, if you're like everybody after Trevor Lawrence is kind of, eh, <laughs> You know, and I don't want to give up two firsts to go to go get Justin Fields. Okay, that's fine. I know I'm not I don't follow college football enough to have an, a, a learned opinion on which one of these guys is going to be good. And it's impossible to do anyway, even if I didn't have more knowledge, because quarterback is a ridiculously complex position that, and you have no way of knowing what a, what one of these guys is going to do. You know, because, again, I'm old enough to remember when I was covering football, more people telling me Ryan Leaf was going to be good than Peyton Manning. So, you know, like, like when you were when I was actually doing this for a living and having scouts and people like that tell me, oh, Ryan Leaf is going to be Peyton Manning is going to be OK, but Ryan Leaf's got the chance to be great. Um, so you don't know. Right. Um, but to your basic premise, I tend to agree with it. I don't think you should force it. Um, I don't think you should invest capital in someone that you're not convinced is going to be great. Um, And if you're telling me that getting a left tackle, for example, at 19, that solidifies the offensive line to the point where either a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers will go, okay, (laughs) now they have an offensive line that can protect me in my, in my dotage. Right. (laughs) And they've, they've got enough weapons offensively that I can make, make this work. And the defense is really good. Yeah. Let's, let's see about Washington. That makes sense to me. Right. That, that is a position that makes sense. Um, uh, I I never believe in forcing a a draft pick um, for the sake of forcing it. Um, But I am always, I am always going to be all in on a quarterback that you think is good enough to take it to a Super Bowl. I don't care when it is. I don't care how many picks you have to give up. The position's too important not to have a great player in it. You know, like yeah. it's just too important. You can't win with a mediocre guy there. You just can't. And if the point, if the if the goal is to win the Super Bowl, you got to have a quarterback that's good enough to win the Super Bowl at that position. Because show me other than 
Baltimore in 2000, a team that did it with a quarterback that wasn't good enough to win a Super Bowl. It's really hard to do. Yeah, without a question, which is why, at least in terms of the 2021 aspect, you know, on the one hand, there's reasons to be optimistic about this team. The defensive line, obviously, with Chase Young leading the way there, you know, looks to be... uh, I don't, I don't want to say all world, but like, whatever. Like, Very good. Like it could He's be a really, really good. It could be yeah, really, 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 good. really good. You've got Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson on offense. They add Curtis Samuel. Uh, William Jackson gives them, appears to be a pretty high-end cornerback to go with Kendall Fuller. Uh, yeah. The offensive line, you know, more than held up last year, despite the early struggles. They're bringing, at this point, everybody back, at least Brandon Scherf for one more year, it appears. Right. Um, and like you mentioned, they're in position possibly to draft um, an offensive lineman either in the first round or on day two. They've got four picks in those first uh, three rounds. And if you take those picks and just apply them straight to needs, it would be hard to look at their 20, their starting lineup on both sides and think that there's any real obvious holes. I'm not saying that means they win the Super Bowl, but just, right. you know, that, 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 that they would be in a better position. And that's kind of why, like, I, another reason why I, I'm kind of like, eh, build now and and see what you have especially with Fitzpatrick but that brings to the point of you mentioned a mediocre quarterback I mean Ryan Fitzpatrick to a degree has sort of been the definition of a mediocre quarterback a guy teams are willing to start but only to a point because he's not going to get them to another level I I don't know that Washington ultimately thinks he's taking them to the Super Bowl but maybe he was the best option at that at that time when you factor in the surge they had late the young players on this team and Fitzpatrick being sort of the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the maybe the more fun version of an Alex Smith, a locker room right. leader who's going to throw the ball all over the place. Like mm-hmm. how, now that you're removed from the season, how optimistic do you feel about them going forward just in terms of this coming year? I mean, I think they're in, look, I, I certainly think they have something to build on. It's football. So you're 11 and five one year, you're five and 11 the next year. Injuries are everything. Thing, right so I mean <laughs> you gotta <laughs> tell me who gets hurt I'll tell you who wins um you know the Cowboys with Dak Prescott are way different than the Cowboys without Dak Prescott like they're way different right, right. so um so I you know the Giants uh, are going to be a very different team uh you know next year than they were this year um so I can't say with certainty that I think Washington is definitely a team on the rise. I think they're building some, I think they're building. I think it's going in the right direction. I, I have no problem with Ryan Fitzpatrick as kind of a short-term one, maybe two year answer. I'm good with that. I don't mind that. It's okay. Um, it's not the answer, but it's an answer, you know, as you continue to build out the roster. Um you know, I don't, I, I just, I just hope they're not doing what a lot of teams and a lot of sports do, which is fall in love with your own draft picks. Right. I mean, you just, you just think, well, you know, we drafted them so that the guy must be good. So, you know, you've got, you, you can already see it. Like they just told Bryce love to just get out. You know what I mean? Like, and he hadn't even, he literally never went, got on the field for them, you know, but they didn't draft him. So he's not their guy. You know, I think if he were their guy, they would think differently about him. Um, but, you know, I, I'm fine with, with this, you know, to me, if, if the, if you're saying this is our plan that we're going to fill in whatever, like if, we need to get better at linebacker if you're if you're the football team and we're going to get better through the draft at linebacker and the guy and a couple of holdovers and after that we won't have any real holes on this team 
okay. I mean, I think you could do better at tight end, but it's not Logan Thomas was, was really good at tight end last year. He wasn't bad. He was fine. You know, um, he's not an up the field guy, but he was great in the red zone and helped him out a lot that position. Um, and I think using a, a, a day two pick on the tight end would make absolute sense. I know they just signed this kid, yeah. Samus Reyes, and we'll see what, what he is, but we'll uh, see. Right. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think adding a tight end is one of those things that I would point to and say, yeah, do that because also Logan Thomas has, has an expiring contract. Right. 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 Yeah. So, so I'm fine with them saying we're going to build out, we're going to fill in this year. And then next year, 2022 is when we're going to go all in on somebody, you know, whatever, whichever quarterback is available through the draft or through free agency or through trades that they have said, this is the guy we're going to go all in on it. Cause the rest of the team is good enough around. Um, and that's a plan. You know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that plan. Um, I, if that's their plan, I can, I can stick with that, but I'm, but, I would say you can't assume that because they went seven and nine this year that they're going to be 10 and six next year. You just can't, it's the NFL. You can't do that. It's a year to year deal. You know, it's and last year will have nothing to do with this year. And this year will have nothing to do with next year because of injuries. You just don't know who's going to get hurt at a catastrophic level. Um, and in the NFL is where you have catastrophic level injuries to key players. Yeah, you, you mentioned the idea of teams falling in love with their own uh, draft picks, and you're right, that does happen for sure. One thing that's so interesting about this Wizards surge is that they ultimately didn't fall in love with one of their draft picks in Troy Brown and were willing to move a guy they took 15th in, what, 2018 with yeah. this front office. I mean, Tommy Shepard wasn't technically the guy at the top of the food chain right. at that point making the pick, but he definitely was involved with that decision and it never made it never seemed to fit with what Scott Brooks wanted to do Troy Brown never right. seemed to work and maybe he's a bust we'll see over time what now he's in Chicago but they didn't just say well we have to ride this out they traded him moved on and got <laughs> Daniel Gafford who mm-hmm. I kind of liked when I saw him with the Bulls but all right I, you know whatever he wasn't playing huge minutes and he was a, a second round pick when he came into the league uh and boy I mean again not saying he's uh you know, Shaquille O'Neal or, or Wes Unseld or anything, but right. my Lord, his, his energy and his athleticism is so evident. And, 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 and since he's been out there, it's not, I think there's seven and one in the eight games he's played. It's not the same eight games yeah. that we're talking about because he missed a few with injuries, but um, it has been quite the revelation. So I give Washington credit both for saying, all right, look, this Troy Brown thing isn't working. I mean, part of me is like, well, uh, it, it, we don't even know Scott Brooks is with the coach next year. So moving on from a guy who maybe doesn't fit with this coach, maybe doesn't make sense, but either way they did it and turned it into this guy who mm-hmm. a few games into his wizards uh, life looks to be the antithesis of all the usual wizards deals where they, where they're on the bad end of these things. Instead, yeah. it looks like they've gotten a really good end of, of, of this one. Did you have any, <laughs> did you have any idea as a guy who covers the league? Like you do that, that Gafford would be playing the way he's played. I mean, you saw it in what you saw in Chicago is what you're seeing here. You're just seeing more of it here, right? I mean, you're seeing him do the things that he does well more often. And part of that is, you know, he's not fouling as much. And again, the small sample size. So let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small sample size. <laughs> but what you do see, I mean, what 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 is intriguing about Gafford to me is that this is the first time I can think of in a long time where I can look at the wizards long-term and say, okay, Thomas Bryant 
isn't an all NBA level center. Daniel Gafford isn't an all NBA level center, but the two of them together are to me, a serviceable, decent starting level NBA center. If you look at the two of them in combination, right? So if you want to start Tom, keep starting Thomas Bryant next year, I mean, offensively, we'll see if the, if his three point shooting is, is for real, you know, he was, he was shooting it at a very high level when he got hurt. We'll see if that is real. Um, Gafford's not a great offensive player, but you know, he gets his off of the, off of lobs and in transition and that's fine. And he blocks shots, but the two of them together are probably top half of the league center, you know, and for this team, that's pretty good, you know, considering where they've been, you know, considering they, they spent $7 million to go get Robin Lopez because they needed a center, you know what I mean? Like they needed another center. Um, so now you don't have to use the mid-level on a center next year, right? So you can go, maybe there's a wing that, that gets available somehow and you can go at a wing. So to me, that's, to me, that's where, that's where Gafford really, I think long-term is a, is a big deal because you can see that that, that center combination with him and Bryant being a pretty solid, you don't have to worry about that position anymore. You know, like you don't have to throw money at that position or sign guys off the street at that position. And, and if you can take care of a position long-term, that is getting better to me. That's where you can go to Beal and say, okay, this was a problem two years ago. It's no longer a problem. We fixed that, you know, you know, Westbrook is certainly, I don't know if he's good. He can't play at this level, you know, the rest of his career, but he's certainly doing the same thing he did in Houston, which was slow start. And then for like two months, all world, like just great, you know? And so if this is who Russell Westbrook is the rest of his career, I think you'd say, yeah, I'm in, I'm in on that. You know, I'm in on two great months out of six and maybe two okay <laughs> months and maybe one bad month. Right. And so um, so yeah, I mean, so you're, you can, you can make the case that you're fixing the positions one by one. You still don't have a three, right? You still have a three. I don't think, you know, I think their four is, you know, those are the, the four position needs, needs an upgrade to me. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, the one and the five, which are pretty important in basketball look to me like you have solutions at least for the next couple of years at those positions. And what's interesting to me about the Wizards, I mean, look, this year is fun. And look, there's still more games to go. They could easily, they, the last, they already won seven of eight at one point this year and then completely reverse course and went yeah, back right. downhill. I doesn't feel this that's going to happen this time, in, in part because the schedule is so super easy, easy right now, beyond right. once you get, especially getting past Golden State. I mean, that's not the Wizards' fault. The, the, you got to play everybody. Uh, and right. it's just the way it works out for them and good for them. Plus, the teams right in front of them, Chicago, Charlotte, Indiana have all suffered injuries to very important players. Major injuries, and, yes. and that and that's and that's going to help Washington in theory um, as well. But you can you can hear my thoughts on the short term if you go listen to Fred Katz's uh, Wizards After Dark podcast. I'm on every week. Blah blah blah. But the going forward, okay. So like you wrote this week about how this is not ideal for the Wizards from a long term perspective because they're giving up. It appears the the, the the opportunity to get a top five player in the draft by winning. But yeah. look, they're going here and they're going to just have to embrace the situation. Or maybe it's almost we have to embrace the situation mm -hmm. as much as anything. Um, so going forward, okay. Now, Bradley Beal is playing at a continually high level. There's no reason to think he won't continue to keep getting better. He Every year he comes back with new with new tricks in the bag, mm -hmm. gets better. If Like you said with Westbrook, at least he's not hit the wall. 
that I was very concerned he did earlier in the year, but now he's playing like this. And if he is, is another, has another all NBA type season with him, at least more than just to, you know, better, more I mean, above level, here. right. Above replacement level, right. That's right. all you're asking for. That's right. all you can ask for. Yeah. Right. So then you have, you know, look, Rui Hachimura, I think we were all had questions about what he was doing, but prior to this recent injury, he's, he has shown, uh, he's improved significantly better. and, and gotten yes. to the point where like you could see him being, a starter on a, on a, on a good team. I think mean, Denny Avdias had the standard rookie ups and downs, but what you see is a, is a kid who's confident typically yeah. who's got playmaking skills on offense defensively. It's been a struggle. Look, that's not, I don't think that was too much of a shock coming from Israel during a pandemic, no summer league, no training right, right, really. Right. I, yeah. I, 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 I get it. They'll get a first round pick regardless. They now have Gafford and we, you met you know, Thomas Bryan will be back at some point uh next year that's you know decent they if they take the robin lopez money and turn that into i i want to say a modern day a more a more modern version of trevor ariza sure, <laughs> you know like sure, the, sure. the ariza mm-hmm. the two-way three, three. D guy yeah legit but, three and D guy yeah like yeah. Mm-hmm. i'm not saying this team that's competing for the east title but i am curious as to what they can be because i think ultimately if they're going to move forward if they're not going to trade beal i've talked about this a hundred times ted is about interested in making the playoffs not necessarily winning the title that means mm-hmm. keeping beal and we'll and and see what happens especially if Beal's willing to stay but I don't want to just keep being miserable about this team so I'm trying to see the I'm trying to see the sunny (laughs) side but I I think it's an interesting team next year if we get the Westbrook this version from the start everybody all the young players make the basic progress they add the right player um in free agency and we don't know who the coach is going to be either that may be the biggest piece of all this is that I I I want to be optimistic about this team for once going into the offseason again we're still a ways away yeah Tell me I'm wrong. I, I, am I wrong to, to be that way? Understanding that we still have a little bit to go here. I, it feels like next year could be actually interesting way more than I thought it was going to be like a month. Yeah. Well, this is where, you know, like I wrote on Monday, like if you squint at the East, instead of really looking at it soberly, <laughs> you squint, you can, you can make the case that, well, okay. Brooklyn's going to be good for, you know, Brooklyn's, you know, talent wise has more talent than everybody else. Assuming Joel Embiid st- can stay healthy you know, for the rest of his career. And we can't assume that because he gets hurt every year. Um, you know, Philly looks like they're going to be pretty good. Um, you know, Milwaukee's got Giannis. So they're, and, and then they've got Jeru Holiday. So they're going to be really good for a while too. Um, and Chris Middleton. So those three, you can't compare. But after that, like if you're the Wizards and you say, well, are we as good as Boston? You go, no, they're not head and shoulders better than we are now. They got two young, really good young guys, but you know, we've got two really good older guys, you know, so um, you can make the case. You can, you can convince yourself that you're in the middle of the pack in the Eastern conference. You can make that argument. See, to me, that's the wrong argument. You can make that argument. And maybe, you know, if, if you get a break or two and, you know, somebody has an above average year, could the wizards be a top, five, six team next year. Yeah, I guess they could. I suppose it's possible. Um, but to me, that's the wrong argument. That's the argument that a Golden State can make because Golden State's won championships, you know? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they've been the best team in the league for four or five years. So now you can say, well, we're not as good as we used to be, but we can still get in the playoffs. You know, we still got Steph, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's the argument that a team that's accomplished more than the Wizards can make. To me, the Wizards argument has to be, how can we put a team on the floor that is good enough in time to compete for a championship? Because we haven't competed for a championship in four decades. 
You know what I mean? Like, so to me, it's a, it's the wrong argument. And that's where I'm still, that's why I'm still, it's not cynical. It's just that I feel like you owe the fans of this city more than that, more than, well, if we get a break or two, we could be maybe five or six or four. Yeah. You know, you're still not saying, how do we get to be one? (laughs) What do we do to get to one? You know? And so to get to one, you need elite, elite level, you know, like, this is at least with Bertans. Is he overpaid? Sure. But he does one thing at an elite level in this, in this league that very few people can do as well as he does. To me, that's worth investing in. That's worth paying for. That's worth drafting. That's worth acquiring. Okay. You've got an elite level three-point shooter. That's what you need. You need an elite ball handler. You need an elite defender. You need an elite rebounder. You know, and they don't have enough of those. They've got what they now have is above average, above average center, <laughs> above average point guard, probably good point. I would say above average. he's a good point guard. Russell's still a very good point guard. You know, this version of Rui is probably above level, you know, above average power forward. Um, but that's still not good enough to, to challenge realistically at the top of the East. And that's what I think they owe this fan base is, you know, we may take a step back. But if we get a Kate Cunningham or a Jalen Suggs in three years, we're going to be a top three or four, you know, in, in the East. And they're not there. They're just not there. Yeah. I, I mean, as, as I think, you know, you know, from our conversations and people who've listened to this podcast know, like I'm, uh, you know, beyond uh, over this constant playing for the eighth seed mindset right. that they have. It, 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 it's, yeah. it's preposterous. Now, I don't, I think like you've been pushed, you, you have the more idea, I think of moving on from Beal would be the way to go. And I'm not totally convinced on that, but, the, but regardless of that, my only good thing is in the moment is if we're going to have to endure this, if this is the path we're going to go, at least make it interesting. And I, and yeah, I was concerned. It will be interesting. I think it's West, interesting. Now. When yeah. Westbrook was looking like he was like hitting the, the you know, he was like fr- turning to Fred Sanford uh, right. for a really old reference there. Uh, right. That, that I was like, oh boy, this is going to be miserable for the next two years. If right. he can't even right. play, at least now he looks interesting. And as Beal, I would imagine if Beal legitimately has been buying in, which I think he has to, to the idea of staying, he has said mm-hmm. that, but you know, whether he, I think he actually believes it. I would imagine this is encouraging him to, to stay, even if the Wizards maybe don't even make the, the top eight. See, at least there's reason to be optimistic um, right. going going forward here. Um, I, I've got, I, I didn't warn you about this. Uh, I ask every guest some some random questions. So okay. we have to be subjected to that. Uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing overly complicated. Uh, we'll start with this. This is, some of this is random. All-time favorite athlete. In any sport? Any sport. Hmm. All-time favorite. You can pick Garrison Carr if you want. <laughs> Love me some Garrison Carr and Derek Mercer. Ah, uh, wow. All-time favorite athlete in any sport. Ah, uh, Magic Johnson, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to argue. I, I've... I've I think I finally had to concede that he isn't the best NBA player of all time because it's been written <laughs> down by all the Jordan people. But I don't know. Whenever I hear it, but just go Jordan. Magic's LeBron, awfully good. I'm He's like, awfully ah, good. Are we forgetting somebody? <laughs> um, you have quite a few Twitter followers, but not everybody on Twitter follows you. So who yes. is somebody on Twitter that doesn't follow you that you wish did? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, trying to think. What, what what won't get me in trouble? 
I answer it honestly. My answer is uh, my first answer I ever said was Rihanna. So uh, you know, yeah, a lot see, of people that, have gone with like childhood heroes like a Cal Ripken or something. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, gosh, that's a good question. I, I can't. Nobody leaps to mind like. Well, I, I always tell people this. I'd love to have lunch with Jodie Foster just because I think she's fascinating and I think she's really smart. I like smart people. So I'll say Jodie Foster. Why not? Sure. Sure. I, uh, uh, that, that, that's good. Every time, I mean, every time I see her in an interview, you, you talk about living a life, like my love, my Lord, her life is like off the Yeah, chart. I just think she's Instantly. fascinating. She yeah. just seems like a fascinating person to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, to have, to have navigated this planet of all the things she's seen and done and endured yeah. to a degree, it's pretty crazy um what based on a hobby or a habit what is a hall of fame that you would qualify for as, as you ponder that for a second I was, oh my, my yeah, answer dude. is uh oh go ahead no american university sports fan hall of fame <laughs> yeah. like you are like i uh people would know this back in the old days when we would all be around each other at say a wizards game you know you would show up to talk to, to cover the game or whatever but the most engaged I would see you wasn't talking about John Waller, Bradley Beal, or not necessarily the opponent. It was with uh, this guy, Jake Lloyd, who was one oh, yeah. of the stringers there for the Associated Press, a really nice guy, but he was running. He, he co-hosted an American University basketball podcast that I'm sure does. literally a dozen people listen to. It's a couple I dozen. One of the dozen. I don't know. And you could not, <laughs> we'd be like outside the locker room ready to talk to Greg Popovich and you could not be more engaged talking to him about what's happening with AU, the Patriot League. So that one, I, I absolutely, some people, when they tell me their answer, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That one. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I am locked into AU basketball and, and Patriot League basketball in general. So yes, <laughs> sadly, but that's my deal. That's what, that's my crack. <laughs> all, all, all good. Um, all right, we'll, we'll look ahead. If the Wizards were to make the playoffs, not just the mm -hmm. 10 seed, but actually qualify and get to the 8 seed right now, I think they would play yeah. the Sixers. Uh, yes. Again, we'll, we'll, we don't know what the world will look like, but let's just say it happens. If Beal and Westbrook are playing at this level, I set the over-under at one and a half wins for the Wizards. You going over or under? I'll probably go over. I'd say they get two. I think it's a 4-2. You know, is, is there sure. any chance? I mean, look, obviously any eight seed being a one seed is borderline nuts, but it's a rare situation when you have potentially the leading scorer in the league who was an all-star starter, plus a guy right. who's a former MVP. And, you know, if I say the Wizards have maybe the two and third best player in the league, yeah. Philly probably has four through nine. Right, close right, to right, it. right, right, right. But yeah. at least there's some points to what between Gafford, Lopez, uh, you know, well, it's solid uh, if we're yeah, not yeah. as healthy. The problem, the problem I would see with them in that series is that I just, I, I've seen, I think they've played Philly three times, maybe four, three or four times this year. I can't remember. Um, they have no answer for him. None, zero. <laughs> like, they have no answer for him. Like he fouls everybody out that tries to guard him. They don't have anybody that can even remotely guard him. Um, I don't think Gafford can guard him. He's not strong enough and he would foul, foul him too. So you can't even like introduce his shot blocking as a potential, you know, game changer or series changer. Cause I don't think he would be on the floor long enough to do it. Um, if he has to guard Embiid a lot and, you know, starters tend to play monster minutes in the playoffs. And so Embiid is going to be on the floor a lot. So I, the problem is that that one position, they got no answer. You know, you could, you could make a case, at virtually every other position. Like I'm going to go under every screen on, on Ben Simmons. I'm just gonna, we're just going to build a wall, make Ben Simmons beat us with, with jumpers and threes or floaters. 
you can make a case for that. You know, we're going to close out on, on Tobias Harris and, and make him a driver. You can make a case for that. There's no case for Embiid. They have no case for his. Here's how we're going to stop Embiid. Because they have no case of stopping Embiid. So he's going to go for 35-40 every game, 18 rebounds, five or six blocks, and completely tilt the floor. So that's why I just don't think realistically they have much of a chance to, to beat Philly. I think they actually, this is going to sound counterintuitive, I actually think they have a better chance of beating Brooklyn than they would have beat Philly. Oh, interesting. Uh, well, I mean, the Brooklyn thing is super fascinating right now with the injuries. I mean, I mean James Harden, it looks like I had a setback with his yeah. ha- hamstring. Uh, and then obviously Durant is barely played them. I and the fact that those guys have been on the court together, I think for seven games, right. Um, it really makes it interesting. Uh, this all leads me to two other questions. I'm just going to audible into one. So you made, you talked about that. It's hard for them to figure out what's the case for the wizards to be able to stop Embiid. So much talk in the last week has been the case for or against Embiid as the MVP of the league with Jokic, mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic with Denver being the, the, the apparent front runner according to straw polls and just yeah. people watching uh, you are, I presume, a voter? Um, uh, no, actually, I don't think I have a vote anymore because I'm not important anymore. I don't work for a network. <laughs> oh, well, but if I had a vote, I'd vote for Jokic, if that's your question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's such a weird year. But obviously, LeBron's been hurt. Anthony Davis has been hurt. Harden looked yeah. like he was maybe surging up. Then he gets hurt. Giannis doesn't quite feel like it's it's there for him this time. Jokic has been off the charts great. Uh, Steph Curry is putting up insane numbers, but just the, the, the team aspect is probably going to it hurt him I, to me Jokic makes sense but um I also think like this is I know this is obvious like th- there's still some time I mean if Embiid rips off eight games of 30 20s which is right. which isn't crazy I mean the conversation could flip but it seems like Jokic is gonna be the answer I love watching that guy play no he's great he's great I mean he's he is there's nobody like him and that's that's every superstar right I mean there's you go there's nobody else who plays like him and I really there really isn't a comp for him because of his just uniqueness as a scorer, passer, defender. I mean, he's, you know, look at their numbers when, they, when he's on the floor defensively. Um, so, I, yeah, he's really good. And it is a weird year because so many of the guys at the top that you would consider, almost all of them have been injured for long stretches, not just a game or two. And it really kind of skews the, the board a little bit. Um, you know, and I, if I had a vote, I would, I would look at Giannis again, because I actually think Giannis in a lot of ways is playing better this year than he played the last few years. Um, but it's hard not to make the case for Jokic, just because I just think he's the excellent, the, the production and the efficiency are just really good, insanely good. Um, and in a really tough conference, I, I always, you always have to judge who you're, who those guys are playing every night. And you, when you're in the West, you're just playing more good teams than you are in the East, you know? Um, last uh, couple questions. NBA champion. Normally, if I said to you or anybody at this point, yeah, it's probably going to be one of these couple teams because mm-hmm. you know it feels like super duper wide open right now. When you yes. have teams like Utah and Phoenix at the West, who regardless of how good they are, nobody is going to automatically throw them into the finals because they just right. haven't done it. Wherever the Lakers are seated, they're probably going to be viewed as the favorite, but. You know, we'll see how, you know, with LeBron coming back from his injury and AD, how quickly can they ramp up and maybe they get a tough yeah. first round matchup. Um, you know, uh, then in the East, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, the Nets <laughs> would have thought to be the easy favorite, but we don't know where they're at. And then, you know, you know, can, can Giannis and, and Embiid get their teams over, over the top? It feels more wide open right now than at any point I can remember in a long time. Or maybe LeBron's just going to come in and do what he does, and then we'll all look back and go, "Wow, come on, that was crazy that we yeah. added it." So right now, if you had to pick, what's your 
What's your pick? Uh, I, I'm still going Lakers. I just, I just think after a while, you have to acknowledge what's in front of you. And the track record for LeBron is that he is, he is otherworldly in the playoffs, right? Like he is, he's like top five all time in the playoffs. He's not just great. He's like insanely great in the playoffs. So if they get to the playoffs, I got to assume that that guy's going to show up. Right. And so that guy tilts the floor. He makes it impossible for anybody else to win. So, and, and if AD has any semblance of, of AD-ness um, once the playoffs start and it's an Achilles and it's tricky and those things can always go South in a hurry. You know, we've seen that in Washington, obviously with John Wall um, you never, it's always scary when somebody says they have an Achilles strain. Um, but if they're prudent and they wait and he's, he's AD in the playoffs, boy, you know, all they need at that point, if those two guys are those two guys, you just need minimum Drummond. Like you don't even need Drummond to be great. You just need Drummond to grab rebounds and block shots. Uh, and the other guys that fill in are most of them are still there and they know how to, you know, they're battle tested, you know, KCPs and, and Markeith Morris's and, and Caruso and all those guys. I mean, they did it last year. Right. So I'd be hard pressed to find, think of somebody that I would definitely say they they're good enough to beat the real Lakers four times. Like, is Utah going to beat the real Lakers four times? I mean, you can make a case for it. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're playing great. They've been great most of the year. Um, but those teams out West, like is Phoenix going to beat real Lakers? No. No, not. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is Denver without Jamal Murray going to beat real Lakers? I don't think so. You know, so those the teams that that you think could beat them start falling by the wayside pretty quick. And it comes back to me to Lakers Clippers. Right. I mean, those are the <laughs> those are the two teams that are kind of built to get through that playoff gauntlet in the West. Yeah, I was excited to see if Denver could be my dark horse, and then Jamal Murray happens. Yeah, and, it's just, uh, I just hard, it's hard for me to see it without Jamal. If he's yeah. there, then yes, that's the team to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Nets Lakers would just be off the charts spectacular from a great. from a, from a celebrity yeah. standpoint almost. Um, yes. la, Adam right, Silver's la, dream match, <laughs> right? <absolutely. laughs> all right, la, last question to switch it back to the football team. We talked before about the. Feels like there's some optimism on the football side of things with what Ron yeah. Rivera is doing and the younger roster and so on. Seems to be more structure. That said, I've had one standing idea in my head with this team for the last two decades, and it's worked pretty good. Believe in nothing as long as Dan Snyder is running the place. There's <laughs> been, and every time I've had this belief, it's always worked out great because no matter what, no matter what signs some positive momentum starts, it always collapses. We saw mm -hmm. it happen this last time, whether you, know, you talk about Bruce Allen, what, what they yeah. did with the at quarterback, what, what, what have you. Now it feels like at the moment he's taking a step back and let Ron Rivera do run his course at the same time. He's going through this legal battle with his other, um, his, his former, uh, uh minority owners. He's now right. bought them out, which means he's yeah. got the, he and the family now of the whole team. That's, Feels like a scary situation if you were concerned about him before and now yeah. and then there's still the there's still the ongoing investig wilkinson report investigation into the the culture with this team that the league allowed the sale to go through could lead one to believe that maybe they don't think the wilkinson report is going to be so damaging that he's going to be forced to sell the team mm -hmm. and so therefore i while i said there's reason to be optimistic if the dan snyder part remains if he's going to continue to to be in charge and maybe even more full-throated if that's possible if 
we get if he gets through this next stage and, and comes out, maybe he gets fined or whatever. Yeah. I like to believe that humans evolve. I really keep hoping I'm going to mature one day, but I haven't seen any signs to think that he will. Maybe he is right now, and I'm not, and we're I'm not giving him full credit, but I gotta see it for more than one year with Ron Rivera. Yeah. Where are you on the no matter what's happening on the actual football field, it's hard to be optimistic about this yeah. team long term. Well, I would say I would say this. I think you know the Dan Snyder kind of prototype, right? In in whether that's a football team owner or a politician or you know a Hollywood mogul or you know a, a oil baron or whatever. I mean, those those types of people, I think are being challenged in ways now that they have never been challenged before in terms of continuing to be able to behave that way, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think whether or not, I agree with you, look, I don't know that, I don't believe Dan Snyder is going to ever change as a person. You know what I mean? I think you're kind of, you know, it's like all these all these people saying, you know, yeah, I had 83 DUIs, but I was in my thirties then. Like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, huh? Like 30s is being a kid still? Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you are who you are after a certain point in time. And I don't think Dan Snyder is going to change as a person. But, but his behavior as a person or his worldview as a person may not be the dominant worldview of that organization anymore. At least I think you can have some hope that that is the case. That while he still has to make the decisions ultimately on who they sign, who the who the coach is, who the GM is, and he can always wake up and ha and have a Marty moment, you know, like he can wake up tomorrow and say, ah, "I'm tired of Rivera, get him out of here." You know what I mean? Like he could do that because he's done it before, you know. Like so, success on the field doesn't mean anything because he can just wake up and decide to fire a really good coach for no apparent reason, you know. Like so, um, but I would say the people that have been put in place and empowered, you know, you have to have to hope, I think, that as an organization, they will not behave in the ways that the organization behaved previously. Like, I can't imagine, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine the scenario where an organization led by Jason Wright, and that has, you know, has Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney in it, is going to behave the same way the organization led by Bruce Allen behaved. You know, I just, right. like, it's possible they're human beings. People, you know, you know this, you've been in sports a long time. You never, anything that anybody does doesn't surprise you. You know, like you get that cynical about people, right? Um, but I would be, it would be disappointing because I think that these are good people that are in place, that they've put in place, that they have given authority to hire and fire and to kind of set a culture. I think we all agree that Rivera is, you know, a legit, solid, good human being that that has standards, that has that has, you know, a, a humanity and an empathy to him that 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 are encouraging in terms of this is the face of a franchise. Um, you know, I you know, I don't agree with everything Ron Rivera has done, but nobody can say Ron Rivera is not a good person. You know what I mean? Like he he's a good human being. He's a good man. You know, he try he he runs a football team the way you would want it run. You know, so um, it's so to me, like the worst impulses of Snyder seem to me to have been 
buttressed somewhat by this firewall of good people that he now has in the building. Um, we'll see if it holds up. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I would look at it as I'm sure Yankee fans feel the same way about Steinbrenner. Like, you know, for a long time, Steinbrenner was, Jesus, this guy, Steinbrenner, you know, but ultimately he put a team around, he built a team that was good enough to win a couple world series while he was there, you know? So, um, it's probably the same thing here. Like, you and know, got- it's going to be, it's going to be weird if we give, if you see, if you see, you know, Roger Goodell handing Dan Snyder, the Lombardi trophy, I'm sure everybody's going to kind of go, yay. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Yeah, well, and 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 as Yankee fans, I think recall Steinbrenner got suspended along the way, and it felt right. like from that point where he was suspended is when things started to uh, switch in the positive direction. But yeah, uh, well, yeah, he brought he in a GM for... that knew what he was doing, and he yeah. left them alone. So I mean, it it is possible, right? So I mean, it does happen, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're I think everybody is still conflicted about it because we all have our, you know. Again, the guy's been here 20 years. It's not like we're guessing. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so, but it is what it is. I don't think he's going to, I have zero, zero belief the NFL is going to make him sell. Zero, none. Right. You know, yeah. yeah uh, I, I'll be, I, I will be surprised if the fine is significant. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, it's just not what the NFL does to owners, very rarely. Um, but as I let you go, sell your, uh, sell to the audience, your podcast, you're part of the NBA, the athletics NBA show, but there's like, I can't figure out you, 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 you there's a bunch of people involved when, what, what, what to, yeah. to when they should find you. Yeah. There's the, the umbrella of the athletic NBA show is it, it covers all of the podcasts that cover the NBA primarily, but you know, ours is called hoops adjacent. It's on, you know, it should drop today wednesday usually drops wednesday morning um we uh we had monty pool on from nbc sports bay area on this week to talk about steph curry and this insane streak that he's on um and monty's been there for the entirety of steph's career and he says this is the best streak he's ever been on including you know peak 2015 2016 2017 Steph. so he's just never seen him play this this well offensively um so i am looking forward of course it's the one day i decided to go to a nats game to to cover it you know like i was like and i picked because you got to pick like weeks in advance so i said okay i'll, I'll take the wednesday game because you know it's an afternoon game and of course it's you know i should be at capital one arena tonight <laughs> with fans for the first time watching steph curry drop 45 on the home team i mean that's where i should be but i'm going to be at that's where covering the next game this afternoon so uh, well, is that, what it is <laughs> that, that, that may not be a great decision but listening to da's <laughs> podcast or da talk about basketball is always a great decision da i really appreciate the, the time obviously go read them on the athletic as well uh appreciate it sir we'll talk absolutely thanks for having me ben all right, there you have it. Many thanks to Tressway and to David Aldridge and, of course, everyone here for listening to the podcast. Thanks to my cat, Lenny, who's uh, talking here because I didn't lock him out. Uh, anyway, uh, back on Monday with another podcast. The draft is almost here. Make sure to check out everything I'm writing over at The Athletic. Plenty of draft coverage there. And uh, hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standing. More to come on this team. It's getting close. It's getting interesting. And uh, all the answers will be revealed soon enough. (laughs) That's it for now. Until next time. See ya.